The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to the flagship podcast, the flagship show of the PTB Media Network. I'm talking, of course, about the Parking the Bus podcast here on a rare Friday night with you. Um, quick explanation of what happened last week. Um, so I blame the LAFC Revolution game last Sunday night. Threw me off. Uh, they decided to play a 10.30 p.m. Sunday night match. I get it. It's prime time in L.A. Totally cool with that. Problem was, um, I didn't wake up Monday morning to record the show. And uh, I've had one hell of a week at work. And it, I've been, uh, I have, I feel the eyes of the superiors on me. And it's it's not been easy to record podcasts this week. But I did get the content out, okay? Um the newest show of this network, the newest PTB Media Network podcast, is now available in its own feed, Birth of a Soccer Nation. Two episodes are out. It's got its own feed. It also drops here on this feed, but I've also got it in its own feed. So please, there's a link in the show notes. Please take a moment, click on the link, so, uh, subscribe to the the Birth of a Soccer Nation podcast on Spotify. I'm trying to build an audience, a separate audience for that, a a niche audience because it's soccer history, but it's something I am incredibly passionate about. I am having an absolute blast working on it, but it is it is a lot of work. I mean, I am taking twice as long um, to research and to come up with an hour show for that than it takes me twice as long than it takes me to do for that, you know this show or to do Mr. Benfica. So please, please um, do me the favor. Subscribe to Birth of a Soccer Nation. Give it a five-star rating. Help me get it out to more people. There is an audience for it out there. I just have to find a way to make it visible to them. And I'm asking you all for your help with that. And um, not asking you even to listen to it. Uh, if you want to click on it, if you want to scroll to the end and give me a play, I'm all for that. Um, do that and give a five-star rating. Be a huge, huge help. Um, thank you in advance, but, uh, that's what I've been up to. Okay. So I was, I was going to do this episode on Monday. I didn't get it to it. Um, Tuesday I ran into another situation and I had to, I actually, this week, uh, I did say that a lot of the birth of a soccer nation episodes are already recorded, but I, I decided this week that I had to. Do this episode now. I had to insert things into it, so I spent most of the week working on that episode that dropped yesterday. Um, really happy with how it came out. Um, I hope you will give it a moment and check it out as well. But so we're going to have what happened is then we had CONCACAF Champions League, and I figured I was going to have to do a Friday podcast anyway for the CONCACAF Champions League. So here we are. Um, so we're going to have a little different format tonight. We're going to start with 
Champions League. And we're going to start with CONCACAF, but I am going to get to Europe after that. A lot to talk about in UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, UEFA Conference League. I'm going to go through all that. We've got some Copa Libertadores preliminaries to go over as well. And this week I'm going to finish with an MLS recap and with the power rankings. The power rankings are going to come out on this show tonight in this this episode. Okay, I'm not going to make it a separate episode this week due to time constraints and... Um, the fi- the Friday five play, um, I went one for five last week. I won one of them. Which when you have to pick plus money, you know that's that's not all that bad of a night. You wait for the the weekend that you hit four out of five and you come out way ahead. But um, I'm gonna put that on ice for this week as well, just to to get um, this content out to you. That'll come back. Um, I may be tweaking the format of that. I may I if you want to host, if you are a better 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 than i am okay if you do well in sports betting and you want to host the the friday five play all you got to do is drop me a line at mike agustino on on twitter that's at m-i-k-e-a-g-o-s-t-i-n-h-o just say hey i'll do it i like to bet i like to follow uh sports betting um i watch soccer i'll i can do it let me know and that and the show is yours i mean it's it's um you know, I can do it with you as well. We can do a two-man job on that as well. Whatever a two-man, two a man and a woman, it doesn't matter. That it didn't mean I didn't mean that phrase uh, the way it came out. And um, I guess that's a great segue to my next point. I'm not going to get in to the Berhalter Reina drama tonight. I'll save that for the next episode when we recap the weekend. Um, but I, I got I got stuff to say about that. And man. Does Claudio Reyna come out of this looking like crap? Um, what I just slipped, what I just said, you know, innocently, incorrectly, he said intentionally worse um, to U.S. soccer. We find out that he has been bullying U.S. soccer. And, um, well, I got a lot to say. I've got opinions, and I'm going to save it for when it's time to say that. Let's just leave it to that. But, yes, I won't. I won't uh, touch on that here in this episode, but it's coming. Okay, big bombshell. Um, the findings don't make the Reinas look good. If anything, um, the Reina family managed to somehow make Greg Berhalter look decent. Um, that was not their intention, but uh, it was the unintended consequence, apparently. But what, like I said, we're going to start tonight with CONCACAF Champions League, the round of 16 Second legs were played this week. We're going to start on Tuesday. We're going to go to the biggest upset of of the first leg. Took place in the Dominican Republic. It was the Haitian side, Violet AC, winning 3-0 over Austin FC. The second leg took place this Tuesday at Q2 Stadium in Austin, Texas. And a cr- uh, nice crowd of 20,738. Well done to the Austin fan base to come out down 3-0 on aggregate. But you just I thought they were gonna I thought that they were gonna turn this around and get this result. Austin do win 2-0. Not enough to advance. This is a massive upset. Um Josh Wolf made some rookie CONCACAF mistakes here. I'm not saying he's a rookie coach, but he's a rookie coach in the in the sense of a Champions League, uh, he went on the road and they didn't go ready to play, leaving Sebastian Driussi in Texas, not even taking him to the DR for that match. And um, he could have used them. They needed a goal when they were down three nil. They really needed a goal in that first leg. 
needed to get that away goal because CONCACAF still lives, you know, pre-2021. Uh, they still live in the 20-teens, I guess, uh, because they still have away goal uh, rules here in CONCACAF. They needed that. They didn't get it, and it came back to bite them. Um, plenty of opportunities. A very inspired goalkeeper on the night for Violette. And um, questionable possible penalty that the referee took his time to look at. He went and looked at the monitor, but after looking at it, he still said no penalty. And that's all that I ask for from referees. I go, when there is doubt, I know it's supposed to be beyond a reasonable doubt, but you know what? When it, When it's this massive... And this much is on the line. And you're not sure. If you look at it and you still think it's not a penalty, then we all have to live with that. You have taken the time to look it over. You have looked at different angles. It looked like a penalty to me. I don't even know if he looked at the second part where the goalie tripped up Diego Fagundes. Um, because that wasn't even when... Because, when, again, there's some transparency in CONCACAF, unlike in, for example, the Portuguese League. Uh, where you can actually see the video that the referee is reviewing, and as he rewinds it, you see it rewound. And he never looked at the contact on Diego Fagundes that came after that. So I'm very, very uh, curious as to why that wasn't looked at. But in, in the end, the referee decided that this was not going to be a penalty. And um, in the end, Austin only get two goals. Both of them come from Sebastian Driussi. Fantastic player. We know We know how good he is, but... Um, unable to to get it done, and uh, Diego Fagundes was kept out of the lineup in this one. He was subbed in for Ethan Finley at halftime. Maybe Josh Wolf should have gone with him from the start. Um, I don't like that he's managing minutes when your team is down three nil on aggregate. You have all season in Major League Soccer. Okay, you just got to get to the play. Let's be honest, in Major League Soccer, you just got to get to the playoffs. You. You sacrifice the points right now in the league to advance in this competition. At least that's the way I look at it. Not everyone does. I've uh, I've seen in the on the social media, and some people say this competition doesn't mean anything. Josh Wolf won't lose his job, which means that this competition doesn't mean anything. I also don't believe you just sack a manager for every bad result or every elimination either. Um, that's just not an environment anyone works well in. At least not for the long term. It's not. For the long-term health of the club either but yeah Austin could have managed this this round better I think everyone if they're honest with themselves will agree with that within the Austin setup Two, like I said two goals from Sebastian Driussi but it's not enough Austin win 2-0 on the night but go out 3-2 on aggregate big big upset the Haitian side advances to the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League going on at the same exact time on a little-known channel that most of us didn't even know existed anymore, Fox Soccer Plus. Remember that? Yeah, I, I couldn't find it anywhere either. I used to have it. I don't have it. I mean, why am I going to pay $10 a month for a channel that um, hasn't been relevant for the past three, four years until now? Uh, so I didn't get to see this one live. Um, I caught the, the highlights afterwards. But it was what you would expect, okay? Philadelphia Union got a nil-nil draw in El Salvador against Alianza. Brought it home. It took a little while, but in the 45th minute plus one, still in the first half, Damian Lowe puts Philly on the board, puts him ahead on the tie. This was after Alexis Montes had already been sent off for Alianza. So a 10-minute Alianza now with their back against the wall. 
uh, needed the away goal. Now remember, away goals, so a 1-1 draw would have seen Philadelphia, a team who I think have a very realistic chance to win this competition, would have seen them go out. But a penalty in the 62nd minute, converted by Daniel Gazdag, would put those fears at ease. And Jim Curtin makes three substitutions right after that. Andreas Pereja replaces Alejandro Bedoya. Jesus Bueno replaces Jose Andreas Martinez. And Mikel Ura replaces Joaquin Torres, who has been a very, very good uh, instrumental piece for this, this uh, Philadelphia Union team so far this season. Uh, we'll see some more substitutions in the 76th. Another substitute, Julian Carranza, is his night ends. And Quinn Sullivan replaces him as... Now Jim Curtin starts to manage minutes. Now that progression to the to the quarterfinals is is appearing to have been, um, I won't say guaranteed, but very close to. And if it wasn't guaranteed, it was in the 81st when Andreas Pereira made it 3-0. And Gazdag's day was done after that. Chris Donovan replaces him. And Pereira will make it 4-0. Three minutes after he made it 3-0. Two goals for Andreas Perea in the span of three minutes. Philadelphia Union win 4-0. They advance as they should. And um, a good night for, with the exception of of Austin FC, it was a good round for the MLS sides. So, well done to Philadelphia Union. They advance. Now, the another big one on Tuesday night. This was the late one. And it was Atlas hosting Olympia, the Honduran side, bringing a 3-1, a 3-1, uh, 3-1 lead on aggregate from the first leg. And Atlas holding that away goal, though, that precious away goal. Sorry, a 4-1. There was a 4-1. I was mistaken there. It was a 4-1 Olympia win in San Pedro Sula, I believe they played in uh, last week. And uh, Atlas had a big uphill climb here. Um, and I have to say, I was from, at least from how it came across on the television, and I'm looking at the official numbers here, a very, very um, disappointing, flat-out pathetic attendance from the Atlas fans, one of the historic clubs in Mexico, one of the oldest clubs, Atlas. Only 13,697 came out. In their 55,000 uh, capacity Stadio Jalisco in Guadalajara. And it is very disappointing. It, it's as if they didn't get behind their team, didn't believe in them. This is their debut in this competition. Atlas, after over 100 years of history, are finally playing in the CONCACAF Champions League. They won their first title last year after 80-some seasons without a title. And now they find themselves uh, down by three goals, but they do have that away goal. And they find themselves down, and only 13,000 people come out. I expect better out of a, a historic Liga MX side. I uh, I have nothing to say. I mean, this is this is this is uh, this is gonna sound offensive, but this is New England Revolution, Chicago Fire type of attendance uh, from Atlas, and uh, it's disappointing because the team played well, and if you haven't guessed by now, they managed to to uh, reverse the tie. They managed to go against the grain and recover the deficit that they had picked up. It was. 
it was a night to remember for the few that went as Julian Quinones put in a man-of-the-match performance for Atlas. He would open the scoring in the 38th minute after after Olympia was defending staunchly all first half. Uh, halftime, it was only 1-0. Still, Olympia looking okay. Um, and they did the hardest part, in my opinion, which was come out and get through the first quarter of an hour of the second half without surrendering another goal. But then just thereafter in the 62nd minute, Jonathan Herrera makes it 2-0 on the night. And now it is 4-3 on aggregate. And because of that away goal, we know that Atlas can pull ahead with that pulling level would put them ahead on away goals. Aldo Rocha puts them there in the 77th minute. It is 4-4 on aggregate. 3-0 on the night. And just in case, just in case Olympia had an idea of stealing a late one to win it, um, when they were going forward, again, they were made to pay by the Atlas counterattack. 90th plus two, Julian Quinones scores his second of the match, celebrates a little too much, sees a yellow card for it, but the match ends 4-0 to Atlas. Atlas advance to face Philadelphia Union in the quarterfinals. And I can't even begin to tell you how psyched I am for that tie. That is going to be a fantastic 180 minutes of football to watch. It's going to be hard to call, but it is it is going to be a quarterfinal that's going to feel like a, a final, really. I mean, these are two teams that are fully capable of winning this competition, meeting in the quarterfinals. Atlas, look forward to that. Um, That was Tuesday's action. On Wednesday, it started early. We had a 6 p.m. Eastern time kickoff in Honduras, I believe we were in. We were, yeah, we were in Honduras in San Pedro Sula uh, in the same Metropolitano Stadium that, uh, that Olympia used. It is Real España hosting the Vancouver Whitecaps, and if you thought the attendance was bad, and uh, if you thought it was bad at the Jalisco w- with 13,000, a n- I can't even believe I'm reading this. 390 showed up at the Metropolitano. I'm gonna guess there were some kind of restrictions put on this because that is too small, even for this, um, to see. Real España take on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Remember, the Whitecaps had a 5-1. I think they had a 5-0 lead after the first leg. And they really just had to see their their way through these 90 minutes. Stay injury-free. Get booked as little as possible. Not have anyone sent off and prepare for the quarterfinals. Well, you know, keeping players fresh for MLS action. They would, you know, they would see it out and actually... Vancouver would take the lead in the second half in the 66th minute. Brian White would convert shortly after coming on, five minutes after being subbed on, putting Vancouver ahead 1-0 on the night, making it 6-1 on aggregate. And 6-0 on aggregate at that point, excuse me. But I guess that woke up Real España because... uh, Getzel Montes would level one minute later. 
and the uh, Honduran side would continue to fight. They would play for it. They wanted to at least go out with pride, and they wanted to win on their home pitch. And uh, Ramiro Roca would put them ahead in the 75th with a quarter hour to go. 2-1 on the night now. And then it would be pulled level again in the 83rd. Simon Becher for the Whitecaps would make it 2-2 with a goal here. Seven minutes from time. And it looked like it might go that way and it may finish level. But like I said, Real Espanol wanted to win on their home pitch. They wanted to go out with a victory. And Hetzel Montes would again. He would double his tally and he would put Real Espanol ahead for the last time. This one would finish Real Espanol 3 Vancouver Whitecaps 2. No harm done if you are a Whitecaps fan. Uh, they will win 7-3 on aggregate and advance to the quarterfinals. Then we have a match that uh, there's a little controversy here. And I have to sound off a little bit on this. Orlando City taking on Tigres. This is a match I had my DVR set for. And I somehow ended up staying up because I was I was recording uh, Birth of a Soccer Nation. And I had this up the whole time trying to focus on what I was talking about while keeping an eye on the match. Um, Tigres would surprisingly take the lead. I mean, I think Pedro Galese has been phenomenal this season. And Fought Mob here has him as the man of the match. The highest rated player in this match with an 8.2 rating. But in the 20th minute, Francisco Cordova would open the score sheet, breaking the deadlock. Getting a valuable away goal for Tigres. And it is 1-0 to La U. Um, Tigres would hold on to that lead here. And uh, we would go to halftime with a 1-0 lead for Tigres. A bunch of substitutions here made by, uh, by Orlando early in the second half. As Rafael Santos, Duncan Maguire, Erkan Cara... Dagor, Torlason, and Gaston Gonzalez all were substituted in between the 64th and 76th minute. Remember, Orlando needs two goals now because they have surrendered an away goal after a nil-nil draw, which I thought was a fantastic result at El Volcan last week. The Monterrey Universitario Stadium, better known as El Volcan or the Volcano. And um, they needed two goals and Oscar Perea side would push on and on and on. And then in the 80th minute, Fox FS2 decided to cut to baseball. Listen, I like the World Baseball Classic, okay? I think it's great that they have something that somewhat resembles a World Cup in another sport, okay? Especially in a sport here in North America. Nothing really lives up to that hype. They try to create it in ice hockey. They try to create it in basketball. It's not the same. Uh, baseball's got something good going on. And yes, you have the Dominican Republic playing Puerto Rico in Miami for a spot in the quarterfinals. Fox Sports 2, for some reason, moves to that game when it's already on on Fox Sports 1. This is why this match is on FS2. And... Now you have baseball on FS1 and FS2 at the same time. And we don't even get to see Ekran Kata's equalizing goal in the 90th minute for for Orlando. We don't get to see Samir of Tigres being sent off in the 90th plus 6. We don't know how this... We, you have to go to YouTube to see the highlights to see what happened here. Um, not sure what FS2 was doing here. And uh, this doesn't look good. They are Major League Soccer's linear TV partner. I know they don't like the fact that they've been 
ridiculed by the soccer press and by soccer fans alike. Um, they are pretty regularly the soccer fans' least favorite tele, you know, broadcast uh, network or or provider, I should say. Um, but this this is inexcusable. I mean, I don't understand why we went to baseball on both Fox networks. I thought the game had ended because, like I said, I'm working on the podcast at the time, and I look up, and, and baseball's on. I'm like, oh, it ended. I thought that this match had ended. I found out the next morning that it was 1-1. I was completely confused. I thought I maybe my I had slipped my attention uh, while I was editing the podcast, and I look up, and, and baseball's on, and I ended up watching it. It was pretty compelling. Uh, Puerto Rico's pitcher actually blows out his knee celebrating the win, and it looked really bad. Uh, he had to be wheeled out in a wheelchair. And this was from jumping up and down on the pitcher's mound. Uh, something went terribly wrong. But I figured this game had ended. And uh, I find out the next morning that it finished 1-1. Anyhow, the result is not what Orlando needed. Orlando, sadly, are eliminated after... I think they're... they're and when we get to the the media, the power rankings at the end of the, of the show... Um, I have, I feel very strongly about this Orlando team from what I've seen in these first what do we have five matches now that we've seen the two Champions League matches and three Major League Soccer matches. Uh, they are the best defensive team that I have seen this season in in, in the league, and uh, their defense was phenomenal across these two these two uh, matches here with Tigres. And man, Pedro Galese in goal is is a force. This guy is good. I mean, he he is on form right now. And I think it's sad that Orlando City bounce out here, but Tigres, Tigres have to be a favorite now to go ahead and win this competition alongside I think LAFC uh Philadelphia Union and Atlas. I think right now those are the four teams I have in uh my my top here. Those are the teams I expect uh one of those four to win it. But, uh, yeah, this one finishes 1-1, and Orlando City bow out, but respectfully, against a solid opponent. They had the toughest draw of all the MLS teams. Um, LAFC hosting uh, Alohelanense. Of course, they bring a 3-0 uh, lead from the first leg on aggregate. And uh, if I'm going to take a shot at... at uh, well... I was going to take a shot at LAFC here um, because I did I did come down hard on Atlas, but I'm looking at the official numbers, and there was still 19,672 in the house for uh, LAFC and Alohanense here at the bank. Um, but when I was watching in the beginning of the match, I was, my eyes were – it caught my eyes how many empty seats there were, but I'm also remembering it is uh, it is still fairly early in, in the evening in L.A., and I know traffic in L.A. is not easy, and I, I'm sure that had something to do with the late arrival because that number, um, that number attendance, um, is a is a pretty good turnout. So I'm I'm gonna take back what I was about to say. But LAFC, I, I have to take a I have to criticize a little bit here. They looked so good in leg one. They looked so good last Sunday against the Revolution. I'm gonna talk about that later on. 
And I thought they kind of laid a dud here against Alajolinense. I know they were ahead. I know this was about managing the 90 minutes and just getting to the next round. Um, minutes were managed. I, I get that. I look at their lineup here. And, uh, you know, McCarthy starts in goal. They they go with Chiellini, Chiellini and Long as the center back pairing for this one. Palencia and Palacios are the two outside backs. Uh, midfield three of Cifuentes, Sanchez, and Tillman. I get it. They're they're moving some pieces around, but you're still starting with Opoku, Vela, and Buke up front. This is a front line that should have finished this this uh, tie in the first half hour. I think they should have done. You know, they should have dominated the way they did in Costa Rica last week, and should have picked up a, an early goal or two. Uh, they didn't. And uh, credit to the Costa Rican side who still believed and who still came out to play. Um, they made this ner- you know, painstakingly nervous. In the eighth minute, they do get a penalty kick, and Giancarlo Gonzalez steps up for Alajuelanense and converts. It is 1-0 on the night to Alajuelanense. No worry, you say, one nothing manageable. Uh, at halftime, Steve Chirongolo does send on Dennis Buwanga for Quadu Opoku. So they split the, they split the match, the two of them. Um... If you played them together, you might have been able to take them both off at halftime and had this thing decided, but that's not what he did. Uh, a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed in the approach that LAFC took to this one. And then in the 52nd minute, Aaron Suarez makes it very, very nervous for LAFC when it's 2-0 now to Alajuelanense, and they are one goal from pulling this tie level. Um LAFC can't let anybody come into their house and score two goals. This is more the LAFC I saw and got. I was a little less confident about when they played Portland. This is why they they actually went down in my rankings after winning that opener against Portland because they they let a team back in and here they let Alajuelense back in again and they start going forward. Fortunately for LAFC uh, and for their blood pressure and their fans' heart rates. Carlos Bella would would score in the 83rd minute, making it 4-2 now on aggregate and, and giving some relief. Um, yeah, it, it was they were the better team. They got more shots. They got more possession. But still, you cannot allow a team to come into your house and completely flip a tie on its head like this and put you under that kind of press, pressure. Uh, we saw Kellen Acosta uh, subbed in in the 69th for Timothy Tillman, Jesus Murillo for Aaron Long. Um, but LAFC do see their way through, but I hope they learn something from this, and I hope that uh, there isn't a repeat of this on another night where it just doesn't click, right? This is a very, very good LAFC team, a team that is very capable of winning this league again and winning this CONCACAF Champions League. They are right up there. They are as good as any team in Mexico when they when they decide to play. All right, so they advance. Now we move to Thursday's matches. Leon taking on Tauro in the Camp No, the the Mexican Camp No um in in the city of Leon de las Aldamas and uh the official name is the Estadio Leon. And it is the no camp, the new camp in parentheses, the nickname. Only 8,111 in the house for this one. That's um, I want to see better than that. Come on, Liga MX. The Liga MX teams are not bringing it this week with attendance. Last week, uh, last week you had you had Tigres 
filling their stadium, essentially, El Volcan, with uh, passionate, passionate support. It's no surprise why Tigres and Monterrey lead Liga MX in attendance. Uh, they do seem to have the best fans um, and the most uh, passionate and the most uh, loyal. And, you know, um, they draw the biggest houses. But Leon do get a goal here. They come in leading 1-0 on aggregate. And then Brian Rubio makes it 1-0 on the night as well. 2-0 on aggregate. Elias Hernandez in the 45th plus 2 makes it 2-0. They see out the result. There's not much else to talk about. Tauro posed no threat really. It ends up being a 2-0 win on the night. 3-0 on aggregate. Leon through to the quarterfinals. And then the... If it weren't for Violette, this would be the upset of this round. I'm talking, of course, about Honduras's CD Motagua coming to Mexico to take on Pachuca in the Estadio Hidalgo in, uh, in Pachuca de Soto, the name of the city, in the state of Hidalgo. And uh, no attendance numbers on, on file here, but... Um, you expect a lot more from Pachuca. Uh, they were they were put up against the wall again, nil nil in Honduras, just like it was at in in Monterrey last week for Tigres and Orlando. Um, and again, the team that uh, failed to get the away goal would pay the ultimate price. But first, it looked like it was going to be bliss for Pachuca. Pachuca is actually a team uh, I. They were my favorites to win this um, before this round. So, especially when you take a team that won the Liga MX uh, Apertura, right? Uh, or Clausura. They won the Klaus. They won the Apertura just now in the fall. Um, and you take that team and you add Chicho Arango. You take the most dangerous attacker off of LAFC and you put him on Pachuca. And for me, that tipped the scales and made Pachuca the favorite in this competition. Just slightly over LAFC. But something happened along the way. Someone forgot to tell Motagua that. The Hondurans go to Mexico and wouldn't you know it. But first, first, you get a goal from Ilian Hernandez of Pachuca. Just 17 minutes from full time. You think that this is this is uh, gonna you know follow the script from there? The one nil result. You you expect them to be able to hang on to it. Of course, a team that has won the Liga Mekis knows how to play two legged rounds. They know how to hold on to a result. They know how to see it out at home until they don't. Um, in the 89th minute, the referee points to the penalty spot. And awards a penalty kick to Motagua. Are you kidding me? Eddie Hernandez steps up, and he he looks confident. He looks he looks at the ball. He looks at the referee. The whistle blows. He looks at Ustadi, the Pachuca goalkeeper, and confidently buries the ball past him. Shock runs out over the Stadio Hidalgo. CD Montagua. Level on the night, ahead on away goals. And the away goals rule takes another victim in CONCACAF. Two nights in a row. And it is the favorite, in my opinion. Pachuca out in the round of 16. Yes, I said that Pachuca eliminated in the round of 16. Motagua advances. This was an upset. If it not for Violette, like I said, this would have been the upset of the tournament. Let's take a look now. 
at the fixtures for the quarterfinals. They start Tuesday, April the 4th, uh, an 8 p.m. kickoff at Subaru Park, Philadelphia Union hosting Atlas. And then in the nightcap at 10 p.m., these are Eastern times, of course. Uh, I live on the East, so these are Eastern time. Uh, Now daylight, Eastern daylight savings time. Uh, Kickoffs, Leon hosting Violet. And then on Wednesday, April the 5th, the next night, Leguan in Honduras. It will be Motagua hosting Tigres. And do they have another giant killing in them? They have the opportunity here, Motagua, to take out the top two Mexican teams in this competition. They have a chance to take out. They have a chance to take out uh, Pachuca and then take out Tigres. I said that I have Atlas as a favorite, but that's not based on recent form. Um, I have them along with with uh, with Tigres, LAFC, and the Union as the four top teams in this in this competition. Um, but. Can Motagua slay another tiger in this case for Tigres? Can they take down another giant? We'll find out. April 5th in Honduras. That's the early kickoff, the 8 p.m. one. And then uh, at 10 p.m., it's an all-MLS affair. The first one will be at BC Place, north of the border in the true north strong and free up in Canada. Vancouver versus LAFC. On the field turf, will that come into play? The artificial surface, we'll see. Um, and then the return legs a week later, and it's the reverse. Uh, the reverse order. So the Wednesday matchups in the first leg will be the Tuesday matchups in the second leg, and vice versa. Uh, can't wait for this. I, I I'm looking forward to watching these matches and uh, following this tournament. This is a tournament I like. There's no, if you haven't figured it out by now, this is a tournament that I really um, get behind. A real, a, I really enjoy watching. And uh, but let's go now. Now that Concacaf is out of the way for this week, let's go to UEFA. Let's go to the UEFA Champions League. The round of 16 closed this week. Okay, with. Uh, Pretty formulaic results for me. This it was it was much more of what I expected. There is a there is a lopsided result here that was not surprising, really, when you know the team that and you know the player who really contributed to that. So we'll start on March uh, 14th, Tuesday. FC Porto hosting Inter at the Stadio do Dragão, or as I call it, the Stadio do Ladrão. Ladrão is the Portuguese word for thief. And that's what I think of them. You guys know my club allegiances. There is no reason for me to hide it. And, uh, well, I may have to be careful what I wished for because uh, Portugal out. They um, are unable to find the back of the net. Uh, Onana looked good in this in this, uh, in this this tie. He made some good saves. The one time he was beat, uh, Denzel Dumfries saved it off the line. Porto played well. I'm not going to sit here and say they didn't. They pushed forward, but again, failed to score. Where is their goal scorer, Mehdi Taremi? Okay, they were missing Otavio in midfield, and um, he is he is very much a a motor and a heart of their team. The pulse of their team does go a lot through through Otavio. Uh, you had a pretty good performance from Canada's Stefano Stacchio in this one, representing Porto as well. But at the end of the day, um, it just wasn't enough. 
and they're unable to find the back of the net. This one finishes a nil-nil on the night. Inter win 1-0 on aggregate. Now we're back in Europe, so there is no away goals here, but it doesn't come into play anyway. Inter through to the the quarterfinals. Meanwhile, as that match, that tense, anxious match was, was going on, an inhumane slaughtering of bulls was happening in Manchester uh, at the Etihad. RB Leipzig visiting Manchester City. It was 1-1 after the first leg. Uh, the German side had to have hopes of maybe hanging on and maybe stealing one here. But those hopes were very short-lived. They were introduced to one or reintroduced to one. Erling Holland in the 22nd minute from the spot, making it 1-0 on the night. Two minutes later, he makes it 2-0. And before halftime, he's made it 3-0. A fir- another first-half hat-trick for Erling Holland, And um, this man is insane. What a goal-scoring, pure goal-scoring talent. And... Um, I can't wait to watch this kid's career unfold over the next decade. Uh, I pray God keeps me healthy and keeps me on earth long enough to watch this kid's career play out. Um, and I hope I stay on earth even lo- much longer than that. But but I really am very excited for Erling Holland going forward. When he is on, this is something, uh, this is a spectacle to behold. He wasn't done at halftime either. You know, uh, Pep could have pulled him off at halftime. They were up 3-1 on the night, up 4-1 on aggregate. No one is thinking Leipzig are going to overturn the result now, uh, you know, with 45 minutes to play at the Etihad. But uh, after Gundogan makes it 4-0 in the 49th minute, in the 53rd, Mr. Holland decides he's not done yet. Makes it a poker in the 53rd minute. For those of you, if you haven't heard that expression, a poker is is what comes after a hat trick. A poker is is a is a four goal performance. I don't know what you call a five goal performance, but guess what? Erling Holland had that as well. 57th minute, only four minutes later, Holland makes it five makes it six nil. Five of them from him, and then in the closing moments, you would get De Bruyne making it. 7-0 on the night. An absolute slaughtering. A slaughtering of the Bulls. Um, a lot of stakes and a lot of uh, brisket and a lot of, of, you know, use all the meat analogies, all the beef analogies you want here. Uh, RB Leipzig slaughtered. 7-0. Manchester City advances. Those were Tuesday's matches on Wednesday. We start in the south of Italy at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Napoli bring a 2-0 lead with them from the first leg in Germany. And after much uh, much scandal, um, in the end, German fans were allowed to travel to this match. The travel uh, restrictions were lifted. But uh, they may have wished they had stayed home. Oshiman with a goal in the 45th plus two, and then another in the 53rd. Then Zelensky makes it 3-0 from the spot in the 64th minute. Napoli went 5-0 on aggregate. No question who was going to advance in this tie. Napoli dreaming of a double, and if there's ever a year to do it, this is the year because Liverpool are gone. PSG are gone. Okay, Barcelona are gone. Juventus are gone. 
There are big heavy hitters that have gone out of this competition now. And uh, speaking of Liverpool, um, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit. They lost 5-2 in the first leg. They go to the Bernabeu. And the best they can muster is a 1-0 defeat, making it 6-2 on aggregate. But this was, um, they were just pretty much canceled out all night. Um, never was Real Madrid under any threat of being knocked out. And then Benzema, for insurance, in the 78th minute, makes it 1-0. Sends Real Madrid through. The draw happened this morning for the quarterfinals of the UEFA Champions League. And the draw also determined what the semifinals will look like. So here we go. Um, on Tuesday, April the 11th, my boys, Benfica, host, enter at the Stadio de Luz. So now we get to play the team that just knocked out our rivals. I hinted to this when I said I may be want to be careful what I wish for. But um, I like this matchup for Benfica. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't think this draw could have gone any better. I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch. I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm not saying we're even going to advance from this quarterfinal. But when you look at the teams that are there, um, the four teams I wanted to avoid all ended up on the other side of the bracket. I have no complaints about this. Uh, Benfica will face Inter. Manchester City will face Bayern Munich. They get the first leg at home also on April the 11th. On Wednesday, April the 12th, the second legs will kick off. I'm uh, sorry, not the second legs. The second group of, of quarterfinals. And it is an all-Italy affair, an all-Serie affair at the San Siro on Wednesday, April the 12th. Milan hosting Napoli. And I think Napoli's got to be liking this draw as much as Benfica and Inter are as well. And Milan, I think the four of these teams are absolutely ecstatic with the way this draw came out. Not to di They're not disrespecting each other. I think they all agree they'd rather face each other than the four on the other side. Um, and uh, the last quarterfinal to come out of the pot is Real Madrid hosting Chelsea. A rematch from last year. And... Um, the first leg this time at the Bernabeu. That's the difference. Last time the first leg was at Stamford Bridge. We'll see if that makes a difference. Um, I saw the the odds come out uh, today with with Manchester City as the odds the bookies odds on favor to win. I think that's um, foolish. I think as long as Real Madrid is in this competition, I don't care what their form is. They are the favorite until they go out. Um, again, ecstatic about the draw. So how it it lines up. The winner of Benfica Inter will face the winner of Milan Napoli in the semifinals. So it's Benfica and the three Italian teams on one side of the bracket. And the four heavyweights on the other side of the bracket. Manchester City, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Chelsea. The winners of those will meet on the other side in the semifinals. Okay, that is the Champions League. Let's go to the Europa League where there was plenty of action again. Uh, round of 16 there as well. As we keep moving our way through these European matchups, their draw also already took place. So I will give you the quarterfinal uh, matchups as well. But first, let's go down the round to 16. Uh, all played on Thursday. Uh, Fenerbahce would win 1 0 on the night. They needed two to force extra time against Sevilla. They were unable to do it. George Zuz's side bow out at the round of 16. Feyenoord, uh, we talked about the slaughter of the Bulls. Well, Feyenoord was not very kind to the Ukrainian champions Shakhtar Donetsk as um, Jimenez, Kochu with two, Idrisi with two, uh, Jabba Kabash and Danilo all got on the score sheet for Feyenoord. 
Seven to one, the Dutch side wins and pretty much guarantees that the Dutch league is going to pass the Portuguese league in uh, coefficient for good. It's it's almost guaranteed mathematically now that um, after next season, Portugal will lose a team in the Champions League and lose a team in Europe, while that, that extra berth will be picked up by the Dutch league. They have been phenomenal in the Europa and the Conference League. I have no complaints. As a Portuguese football fan, it is more than fair. I don't like the argument that people think that the Champions League should count as more. If you did that, you would have the same leagues, the same six set leagues in the top six all the time because they would be the ones getting points in the Champions League. It would take a a very mid-performance to stay there, and it would be very, very hard to work your way up. I think it's fair the way it is. Portuguese teams need to do better in the Europa and in the Conference League, uh, particularly in the Conference League. And when I say that, I'm talking about outside of the Big Four. Okay, uh, you have four teams that are in Europe every year out of Portugal, and they do respectable. They may have a bad year here or there, but they do respectable. And then the teams that come in and take that fifth and sixth spot, that sixth spot that we're going to lose, we don't deserve it because we're yet to win a game. And I say we, but the league, I, I'm not a Listen, I am very critical of the Portuguese league in many, many ways. If you listen to the Mr. Benfica podcast, I'm very, very critical. But the league, that sixth team is yet to win a game in this competition. There is no argument to be made for them to keep it. When the Dutch league, the Dutch teams are winning in those lower competitions, they should get the sixth spot, not the Portuguese league. And um, that may upset some people. And I, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that I should root for my rivals so that my league's uh, coefficient improves. I don't fall in that in that uh, category. I don't root for my rivals. Um, one of my rivals played very well, and I am going to assess them um, accurately and intelligently. And I will be, and I am going to address them respectfully, and I'm going to give them their due credit. But I'm not going. I'm not celebrating that achievement and i'll get to that in a minute but it is feyenoord winning this one seven to one eight to two on aggregate Shakhtar donetsk bow out while feyenoord uh last year's conference league finalist now quarter finalist in the europa league real betis hosted manchester united after a lopsided 4-1 defeat at old trafford a week ago and um marcus rashford as long as marcus rashford is on is on form, and as long as he is delivering, Manchester United can beat anybody. If um, they, they they could be one of the best teams in Europe when he is on, and when Bruno Fernandes is on, and when Anthony is on. Um, there's talent in this Manchester United team. I have to admit, it's coming together to my... Uh, I'm still not feeling Manchester United the way I did for so much of my life. Okay, I identified so strongly as a United supporter, and I still don't feel that connection to the club at this point. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take, um, but I have to be honest and admit that this... I was wrong on Rashford. I think I was wrong on Rashford. I, I didn't think he was the level of player to put this much... Uh, focus on to put this much of your hopes on and he's proving me wrong and he's proving anyone else who said that wrong right now he is playing at a at a level that is surpassed by very very few not just in england but anywhere 
Maybe Erling Holland is the only one who can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the only guy right now. I'm gonna say that is definitely playing better than him consistently, um, and cre- and producing more. But he also has a, a heck of a better, much better team and supporting cast around him. I like Manchester United in this competition as long as they can ride Rashford. If he can carry this team to win another uh, Europa League, that that would be something. Now, remember, they got to the finals just a couple years ago and were beaten by Villarreal in the final. Um, This has been Man United's home for the better part of the last, you know, six, seven years has been the Europa League. They've become a regular to some extent in this competition. And uh, maybe they are turning the corner. I don't know. We won't know until they repeat this next season and until they close the gap on City and on... um, and on well, it's not Liverpool this year. It's City and Arsenal this year. But uh, we saw we saw Arsenal playing in the in the Europa League year after year for a while, um, and now they are five points clear at the top of the league. They'll definitely be in the Champions League next year. So United look like they're heading back to the Champions League next year as well. But uh, uh, I like them as much as anybody else to to win this competition. They advance five one on aggregate after another Marcus Rashford goal. In Betis, long story short, um, Rashford, if he keeps this up, could carry them to to lift this trophy. Uh, Another team who's all in in this competition is Juventus, and they travel to Germany to take on Freiburg, bringing a 1-0 home leg advantage with them to Germany. Uh, This match played at the Europa Park Stadion in front of 33,420. And Juventus, listen, they're all in, like I said here. Uh, their, their ticket right now, the way things stand to the Champions League, is by winning the Europa League. And um, if they need to rest players in the domestic league, they will do it. Okay, They will put the strongest side they have on the pitch in this Europa League. And... Um, Along with United, I think they're my two favorites right now. Um, a lo- maybe another team as well. I think I got three teams that um, I'm thinking one of them is going to lift this cup. And uh, Juventus w- get a goal from Vlahovic from the spot. It was an ugly penalty kick if you saw it. It hit the goalie's leg and found its way in. Um, you got to be asking a lot of questions of your goalkeeper on that penalty. But Vlahovic does score. And then Chiesa with a nice goal in the 90th plus 5. When he is on form, uh, they're always a much better team than when he when he is not, obviously. And um, don't discredit Juventus. I see a lot of people sleeping on Juventus. I say don't dis- don't count them out. This this is their Champions League now. This is their ticket to next season. This is their ticket financially to a lot of things. Um, they've had a very hard year. They, as you know, the entire board had to had to step down. Um, they're somewhat in shambles, but they could really, uh, they could really inject a lot of life back into the club with a, with a Europa League title here. Okay, in Hungary, Ferenc Cavaros hosting Bayer Leverkusen, and Leverkusen came in with a two-nil result uh, advantage after the first leg, and they would repeat it this time on the road. It didn't take long, and if you're Ferenc Vicaros, you cannot allow. You cannot allow a goal early. When you need to win 2-0 or better, 
you cannot go behind after three minutes. They did exactly that. Diaby scores for Leverkusen in the third. And then Aldi scores in the 81st. Another 2-0 win for Leverkusen. They advance in the Europa League. In, in Basque country, it is Real Sociedad hosting Roma. And Jose Mourinho loves this these these cup competitions and um, brings a two nil result, or I should say a two nil lead into this this tie into the second leg. And uh, he, if there's someone who knows how to hold a lead um, across ninety minutes, it's Jose Mourinho, the special one, the reigning Conference League holders, and uh, they're going to advance just like their their co finalist from last season. Uh, in that competition, both finalists from the Conference League now in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Roma get a nil-nil result in 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 um sorry in San Sebastian. I forgot for a moment the city that Real Sociedad plays in. Roma advance to the quarterfinals. The battle of the Unions, Union Saint, and I hope I'm saying this right. Gilouse, I think is how I heard Nino Cantor say it. On uh, on the Golasso show, he he speaks very good French. I've seen him uh, speaking French on on television, you know, and inter- being interviewed in French. I uh, I probably just butchered it, but it doesn't matter. Um, very very disappointed here with Union Berlin after a three three draw at home. Um, I thought it was just a bad night, but their their skid is is going right now. Union Berlin in their last five matches. Have not won, and you have to go back to you have to go back to February twenty third uh, when they won three one in this competition over Ajax. Um, since then, they have two losses and three draws, and before that, two draws be, uh, before that as well. So one win in their last eight for Union Berlin, and uh, they would be, in my opinion, embarrassed here by their Belgian rivals. Or opponents, I should say. Uh, Teoma, Lazare, and Lopusin with goals in this one for Union saint Uh I, I'm going to have to pronounce this in the quarterfinals because they advance. They eliminate Union Berlin. And I had I had expectations, uh, maybe romantic expectations, that Union Berlin maybe gets to a final in that, that long, loyal fan base of theirs. That were in the lower divisions for so long would see European glory this season, but uh, not meant to be. But uh, they're going to focus now in the Bundesliga. They got to finish in the top four. It's a race in the top four. Uh, the Bundesliga very very exciting right now um, in that race. And lastly, it is Arsenal hosting Sporting. I want to call them Sporting Lisbon, but I have to respect them this time. Sporting Club de Portugal. Um, Hey, I have to. I did not see this coming. After I thought the first leg was good, good performance from the Lions in Lisbon, and I thought that um, Arsenal was just gonna, you know, turn it up a notch and take care of it here in the second leg. But you know what I said about Juventus? I think the opposite and how bad they need this. I think the opposite is true about Arsenal, and I think they're more motivated in the league. And it, it, you know, they they did go ahead when Shaka scored in the 19th minute. But by and large, they were outplayed by the the Portuguese side here. The fourth place team in Portugal just outplayed the the league leaders of the Premier League in two to, in two matches in a row, um, one in each country. 
Uh, the goal is an ex a fantastic bit of skill, but also involves some luck here as Pedro Gonçalves scores from, what, 60 yards away, uh, chipping chipping the goalkeeper here. And um, you got to ask questions of Aaron Ramsdale here. And, you know, interestingly enough, Mikel Arteta went with Matt Turner in the first leg. I think he should have gone with Matt Turner in the second leg here, and that's because I think Matt Turner would have done better in the shootout. And I don't think he gets beat over his head like that. I don't think Matt Turner gets caught out the same way as Ramsdale did. Um, I think Arsenal are still in this competition um, if Matt Turner plays goal. I know he's the backup, but I think the, just the way that the goal was surrendered and the way that the penalties went in, um, Ramsdale did not give a good account of himself in this shootout. Uh, so fast forward, I just... Told you that it went to a shootout, okay? Uh, this one finishes 1-1 after 120 minutes. Of course, the post did save Sporting in extra time. Adan was beat, the Sporting goalkeeper. But the ball trickles into the post and stays out. And um, we go to the shootout then. And uh, let me pull it up here. As, this, as you know, this one was at the Emirates. And shooting first was, in fact, uh, Sporting. Jerry Saint-Just steps up, converts first, and puts puts um, Arsenal behind. Martin Odegaard steps up. He beats Adan. And then Ricardo Isgayu, a guy who gets, you know, he gets a lot of hate from his own fan base and from fan bases of other clubs. Uh, he happens to be from a town very close to where my father's from. Uh, so even though he's on a rival club, I have a soft spot for Ricardo Isgayu and for his brother Tiago, who plays in the Portuguese league as well for Oroca. Um He he finishes phenomenally on this uh, penalty, uh, beating Ramsdale. And Bukayo Saka steps up calmly. Beats Adan. No flashbacks to the Euro 2020 final. Gonzalo Inacio, the young center back, is next. He buries his penalty. Well taken. Um, then Leandro Trossard steps up. He hits his. And then Artur steps up for Sporting. And this one, Ramsdale should have saved. He guessed right. He got his hands on it. It still found its way through. Uh, for a goal, I do have to say, Sporting's manager Ruben Amorini subbing off Marcus Edwards um, when Manuel Ugarte uh, was sent off. It really uh, confused me because Edwards is their normal penalty is one of their penalty takers. He had also subbed off the goal scorer Pedro Gonçalves in the 93rd minute. That made zero sense to me because he is their normal penalty shooter. And you know what? He doesn't. He ends up. Uh, he ends up not pay. He ends up looking right and I'm maybe I'm the one that's stubborn here um my pet peeve is is managers subbing off their penalty takers especially when it's already an extra time uh in the case of Marcus Edwards who definitely would have been taken on but it is what it is because Sporting don't miss one but you know who misses one is is Gabriel Martinelli the Brazilian steps up and his his somewhat poor penalty kick is saved by Antonio Adan and that leaves Nuno Santos to step up and bury his penalty. He's the fifth shooter. He wins it. Sporting go into the corner and celebrate with their traveling support. Um, a big moment for them. It's been a long time since they've had a memory like this in Europe. And credit to them. They earned it. They deserve to win. And they take out the top dog in the Premier League right now. And, um, yeah, they take out one of the favorites. So that is 
is your round of 16. And like I said, I see Manchester United, Juventus, and Roma uh, a step ahead of everybody else. But how can I discount Sevilla? They've won this competition so many times. And uh, who knows? This competition is also known for surprise winners sometimes. Here is the fixture list. Here is how the draw played out for the round of, sorry, the quarterfinals. Feyenoord draws Roma. The first leg, it's a rematch of last year's Conference League final. They'll be eager to try to avenge that defeat. The first leg is in the Netherlands. That's on April the 13th, and that's the early match. Uh, Thursday, April the 13th. That's a 12.45 kickoff time here on the East Coast of the United States. 6.45 p.m. kickoff time in uh, in the Netherlands. Then Bayer Leverkusen uh, draws Union Saint-Gilouise as the Belgian side gets their second straight German opponent. Juventus draws Sporting. This is a very, very exciting matchup, and I know... A lot of Portuguese people already putting Sporting into the semifinals. I would pump the brakes. Like I said, this is everything to Juventus. There's a lot of talent there just because they've been mismanaged and because they started off miserably. They are on good form after the turn of the year. I think they've won 12 of their 15 in 2023. Um, That's a good one, and this is a real good one too. Uh, Manchester United just played in Seville. They're going to return to Seville in the quarter in the quarterfinals. That's because it's Manchester United v Sevilla. So those are the teams there in the in the Europa League quarterfinals. Really quickly, we'll we'll run down the Conference League. I don't mean to to give it less uh, less precedence or less. respect that's not my intention it's just we're going over an hour already and i haven't even got to mls so let's look at the fixtures here and um we've got here are just your i'm just going to run down the results um from leg two istanbul basikashir one ghent four Dugarden nil lek poznan three on the road sivaspor one fiorentina four uh, the Viola are, are are flying. Whatever their league form is, they are flying in this competition. They are scoring goals at will. Slovan Bratislava and Basel needed penalty kicks to decide the tie. It was Basel winning on pens. Azed Alkmar one up Lazio, and they will they advance. I believe. Let me take. A, let me confirm that. Uh, we have. Slow loading. Yes, we have Azed Alkmar winning 4-2 on aggregate, eliminating Lazio. Nice beat Sheriff 3-1 on the night. They advance. Villarreal hosting Anderlecht, and this one would finish 1-0 on the night. And the Belgians, another another Belgian side advances. Anderlecht, uh, a historic Belgian club. They take out who I thought were the favorites in this competition, Villarreal. And uh, I think the new favorites now are West Ham United. They take care of Ike Lanaka 4-0 at the London Stadium. Here's your draw for the quarterfinals. Thursday, April the 13th, all the matches. Hint hosts uh, West Ham United in the first leg. That's the early match. Anderlecht versus Azad Alkmaar. The battles, a battle of the rival nations, Belgium and the Netherlands. Anderlecht versus Alkmaar. Uh, Azad Alkmaar, excuse me. Basel will host Nice and Lech Poznan hosting Fiorentina. I see Fiorentina, West Ham, 
as probably the two front runners in this competition. That's the Europa League. I'm going to take a break real quick. And uh, when we come back, actually, before I take a break, let's take a look at the Copa Libertadores. How could I forget? Maybe my favorite competition from a viewing standpoint. Um, let's see how this final, uh, final preliminary round played out. Okay, we started... Um, we went over the first legs last week here on Wednesday. Independiente Medellin versus Magallanes uh, in Colombia. Independiente Medellin, Medellin excuse me, wins 2-0, 3-0 on aggregate. They advance to the group stage. Magallanes drop to the Copa Sudamericana. Atletico Mineiro versus Millonarios. Brazilians and Colombians here. The Brazilians win 3-1. After a a one nil win in Colombia, and the the Galu as they're called, the Rooster uh, advances to the group stage on Thursday. Cerro Porteño versus Fortaleza. The Brazilians traveling to take on the Paraguayans, and um, this is. Uh, a surprise to some extent. A Brazilian team. Brazilian teams have been so dominant in South American competitions the last several seasons. And uh, well, Fortaleza dropped to the to this Copa Sudamericana. They're going to become one of the favorites in that, obviously. But uh, they lose two one on the night to Cerro Porteño after having lost the first leg at home one nil. And uh, it, it is Cerro Porteño, the Paraguayans, who advance to the group stage and uh, a bit of an upset there but it does bring a little bit of, of of different flavor to the group stage and then in Peru Sporting Cristal versus Huracan of Argentina and in the Stadio Nacional de Lima it wasn't until the 90th plus 7 this one was nil nil for over 180 minutes but it is the Peruvian side, Sporting Cristal, with a late goal to eliminate Huracan. Sporting Cristal goes to the group stage. Uh, we will have a draw. I believe the draw is next week, if I'm not mistaken. When the draw does occur, I will announce on the show here what the groups look like in the Copa Libertadores, Copa Sudamericana. Now I'm going to take my break. Um, gone well over an hour already, but when we come back, we'll talk Major League Soccer. Um probably in a much more rapid, shorter version. And I will give my top 10 uh, power rankings, and we will go from there. That, um, that'll that be it for this episode right after that. But I'm going to take a quick break here, and I'll see you right on the other side, right after we pay this bill. And welcome back. If you're counting, this is episode 96 of Parking the Bus, getting close to that 100. Um, this we By the time you hear this, the MLS uh, Week 4 is probably already underway, but I'm going to quickly recap uh, Week 3. There were some big results in this in this week, so I want to quickly uh, highlight some of them. And then I will give you my top 10 and my Player of the Week. Um, and again, this has been... Uh, th- there's a lot of stories in this league. It's really hard to cover them all in a podcast when you want to talk about anything else. Um, but this has been a good season so far. I have to say, three weeks in, I am very, very happy with the product that this league is putting out. Um, again, I I don't have to come here and praise you know Apple TV Plus and, and MLS Season Pass for how great of a job they're doing. I mean... Um, 
listen, people that were against it are admitting it. So it is a it is a uh, it is a a good accomplishment, and I think we're trending in the right direction. Little by little, I think we're going to be winning over the the people that are steadfast against this, and the people that don't want to give credit where credits due. But let's run down the results, okay? In week three, started off in Charlotte, a game I was excited for, and a game that for me uh, didn't quite live up to what I was hoping. Really disappointed with the way Charlotte has started this season. Um, again, mistakes, 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 mistakes. They are making just far too many mistakes through three games, and I'm wondering if Christian Latanzio's going to start feeling the heat in his if he's in the hot seat um, because while Wayne Rooney was the odds-on favorite to be the first manager sacked, I don't think those are the betting odds anymore if you go to your betting uh, app and, and look for that. Um, Charlotte just beat in every sense of the of the word here by Atlanta United um, in a match that was very, um, very appropriately dubbed the Antoine Walks Derby. Um, his two clubs playing each other, and there was a real, real nice uh, gesture from both clubs, from both sets of fans. You saw the half-and-half half scarves. Uh, the the emotion of it just still still gets, uh, it, it still translates through through the TV screen, through anything. As you see, both of these teams are grieving, you know, the loss of a friend and a teammate. But uh, Charlotte really have to wake up here. They're, it's not time to panic. It's not time to jump off the off the boat. But uh, fans especially are going to want to start to see something, uh, some improvement. And... Um, they're a lot better than they're showing. At least I believe they are. Maybe if we're here a month from now still saying the same things, maybe it's time to to come to not think that. Um, I thought Charlotte were going to contend for a you know a top five spot in the East or so this year. It, it does not look good right now, but it is a long season. But Atlanta United, they are catching form, and I, I do think that they're going to, as long as they have Thiago Almada in their team and, um, you know, they got Aruju and they got Caleb Wiley. How about Caleb Wiley with two goals this weekend? Um, just a fantastic uh, performance. And I think this Atlanta team, if they stay together, if they manage to hold these players through the transfer window this summer, they're as good a, a pick as anybody to to make a deep run and possibly win the MLS Cup this year. Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, Sandwiched in between their two matches with Real España, host FC Dallas. This one finishes 1-1. DC United hosting Orlando City, and this one finishes 1-1 as well. Orlando City with three straight draws, but I have I, I like what I see in them. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but I like what I'm seeing in them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There is... I'm not seeing that from other teams, even from top teams. So uh, well done to Orlando. I know that the, they've only got five points right now, but um, I, I, I'm like, I, I think they're in the right path, and I think they could end up being a strong team this season. Speaking of strong teams, statement win here. FC Cincinnati takes down the number one ranked team in on this podcast in our in my power rankings Seattle Sounders travel east and they lose their first match of the season 1-0 and um they continue the, the the streak it's it's once again for the second week in a row the number 1 team 
is beat. <laughs> so we will have a new number one again in this episode this week. So uh, FC Cincinnati statement win, like I said, seven points from three matches. I like what I'm seeing. I'm very, very optimistic and confident for them this season. Um, again, same as I said with Atlanta, if they can keep this team together, we'll see who they lose in the transfer window. They're going to lose somebody and we'll see who they bring in to replace them. But right now, FC Cincinnati looking phenomenal. Uh, last week I was big on inter Miami and they go to Yankee stadium and they get beat by New York city FC. Uh, they, they dropped their first points of the season as New York City FC's goal scored. It was an own goal, actually, from Christopher McVeigh. And uh, the Citizens get a victory here. Philadelphia Union recover from their defeat to Miami last week. And um, in between their two matches with Alianza, they managed to eke out a 1-0 victory over a very, well, looks like an improved and a very defensively stubborn Chicago Fireside. Um, this one looked all. It looked like zero zero was the only result that was going to happen. And then, unfortunately for the the fire goalkeeper, um, he the fire goalkeeper who was uh, his name. Sorry, his name is Chris Brady. He uh, he played well, but then really let his team down there in the closing minutes. As Philadelphia sneak a goal late, they win it in the 90th minute thanks to thanks to Joaquin Torres and uh, the Fire do lose the match, but the Union lose Andre Blake in this one. Um, taking a look at how this one ended, um, Andre Blake was subbed off. Yes, he was subbed off in the 33rd minute. Joe Bendick was the starter, and he was also the starter on uh, Wednesday, Tuesday night in uh, the Champions League. But Philly Union now with nine, with six points from yeah, six points from three matches. Uh, you've got Minnesota United 1-1 in the snow against New York Red Bulls. A uh, good crowd showed up at, uh, what is it called, Audi Park um, uh, up there in in Minnesota. The snow was on the pitch. It was something to, to watch. Uh, but you have to wonder, why are we playing matches in the f- first weekend, first full week of March in Minnesota? Why are we playing matches in Toronto? Um, you know, we, we've we played two matches in Chicago already. Uh, we've played two matches in Philadelphia already. Um, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know. But it is what it is. And two very cold uh, matches. I just said the 1-1 for Minnesota United. Toronto FC, I mentioned we were playing in Toronto. Um Nasty wins there. They finish 1-1 with Columbus Crew. Nashville SC at home win 2-0 over Montreal. Uh, big win for Nashville, and they look good as well. Um, they they could be another team that can contend. This part of the season is very exciting because a lot of teams are showing a lot of promise. It's still very early. But uh, they are showing promise. And in in Kansas City, another cold one. Sporting Kansas City hosting LA Galaxy. And LA Galaxy 
drop two more points, and they are winless in their first two. Remember, the first match was postponed. Um, a point for Sporting. I think they'll be happy with it, um, as they are still trying to regain their their uh, position in the Western Conference that we knew them for 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 such a for quite a while. Uh, they were one of the premier teams in this league. Real Salt Lake beaten at home. By a rejuvenated and awoken uh, Austin FC. Of course, this was after the debacle in the Dominican against Violette. Um, Austin FC do go to RSL and pick up a somewhat surprising win. Goals from Gallagher and from from Owen Wolf. Uh, they they beat Real Salt Lake, whose goal came from Glad and Austin FC back in the win column and. Um, it could be all all uh, roses from here, to be honest. Not having Champions League to contend with, as as disappointing as it is, both for Austin, for their fans, and for the league, um, it could be something that helps them really ge- regain league form here. Let's see how they play over the next three, four weeks. Portland Timbers are going to be disappointed. Uh, they're just the third team to fall victim to the expansion. St. Louis City, speaking of unexpected... St. Louis City is the only team to take maximum points through the first three weeks. Three matches, three victories. We'll wait and see if uh, LAFC can be the second team to do that when they finally play their third match this week. And they are in this week's match of the week, no question about it. But it is St. Louis City on the road in Portland. I mean, they have now won at Austin and at Portland, two of the toughest stadiums to win in this league. Jared Stroud and Kyle Hebert with the goals for St. Louis City. Um, The... Zach McGraw was the goal scorer for the Portland Timbers. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes eke out a 1-0 win at home on a goal from Christian Espinosa in the 78th minute. They beat Colorado Rapids. And then the Sunday night match that had this, this episode come out so late thanks to this one. But it was worth it. What a performance from LAFC. The champs looked like champs. This was after having come back from Costa Rica and absolutely stomping Alejandro. They stomp New England Revolution and make me question my belief in them and uh, where I think New England Revolution really are is somewhere in between uh, last week and uh, this week. Um, two goals from from Bowanga again. Tillman picked one up and so did Buke. 4 0. Los Angeles FC stomps the Revs. And uh, that takes us to the table real quick in the East. I won't go down the entire table, but in the East, uh, first place belongs to Atlanta United now with seven points. They're ahead on goal difference along with Nashville SC. They're a few goals better than FC Cincinnati right now. Below them, Inter. Philadelphia and New England on six points, while Orlando have five. Columbus, D.C. United, and New York City have four to round out the top ten. In the West, St. Louis City, the only team on nine points, like we said. LAFC, Seattle, Austin, and San Jose with six. FC Dallas and Minnesota with four. And then Portland, uh, Salt Lake, and Sporting Kansas City run out those top ten. In that conference, the goal scoring race, the golden boot race now in the MLS still belongs to 
Jordan Morris, the top spot that is still belongs to Jordan Morris. Um, he's got three goals. And then you have a whole slew of players, and 13 to be exact, with two goals. I'm not going to read them all, but that list will break up as uh, I'm sure there'll be fewer in that second spot next uh, next week when we, we talk about this. So um, I'm not going to read off the week four matchups because you know what? By the time you hear this, they're already taking place. But here is the week three Power rankings, PTB Media. Power rankings. Number 10, Atlanta United. They are back up. Okay. They got a big win. Uh, they are number 10. New England dropped to number 9 after being stomped by, curb stomped to be exact, by LAFC. Orlando, I'm keeping in the top 10. Uh, they draw. But again, defensively, they look so strong. I think they're going to be very, very tough to beat this season. I have them at number eight. Miami dropped to number seven after their loss at Yankee Stadium. Philadelphia, uh, they are sixth this week. They got the win, but still um, not scoring the way they did in week week one. I want to see more from them before I put them back in that upper tier of of these power rankings. Number five, Seattle drops from number one to number five after losing on the road at Cincinnati. Four is Nashville. Their business, uh, taking care of business. Seven points, like we said, uh, from three matches. We'll see how they do this week um, and which direction they move in in the next edition of these power rankings. FC Cincinnati is my number three this week. They're up to third. Uh, convincing win, or I should say statement win. Um, and and then and it was deserved. They, 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 beat, um, they beat Seattle. Cleanly, they they played well. They deserve to win. Great experience for their fans. Um, number two, I'm not ready to put them in the number one. I maybe maybe I'm naive. Maybe they just I don't know why they haven't why I don't have them there. Why I'm apprehensive. They've won in two of the most difficult stadiums in the league, and they won at home. If they win again this week, I don't know how I could keep them out unless. Um, I don't know, but it's St. Louis City is number two and number one. Returning to the top, well, they would have been number one, I think, if they had played in in match day one. If they'd not been, um, if they'd not been postponed. But the third different number one in three weeks, it is LAFC. Let's see if the curse of the number one spot on my power rankings holds true for a third week. That's because LAFC are in the match of the week this week. They're playing at Seattle Saturday in the early game. And the player of the week for week three is Atlanta's Caleb Wiley. Two goals. Congratulations to the young player. And that, my friends, is it in MLS. I'm not going to go through Liga Mekis this week. Uh, we've gone long enough. I'm not going to. I was going to. Uh, I was going to read off results in USL. I'll save USL for next week, okay, uh, when we when we have more time. Um, I'll, I'll uh, give some thoughts on USL as well. We won't go through the European leagues this week either. Um, we'll return to that in the next episode, which I'll record. We'll return to Monday, this Monday morning, um, because I am not staying up until uh, 1 a.m. watching uh, an MLS game on Sunday night this time. Okay, that's going to do it. This is the Mr. Mike Agustino. I'm going to sign off. Remember, please check out Birth of a Soccer Nation. The link to the feed is in the show notes. Please give it a give it a, a subscribe and a five-star rating. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, check out, you know, 
Enjoy the matches the this weekend in Major League Soccer, in Liga MX, in USL, in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, in La Liga, in Serie A, whatever you want to watch. Enjoy the matches this week. And I'll be back with you soon. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mike Agostino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. Follow the network on Twitter and Instagram. That's at PTB underscore media. And check out www.parkingthebusmedia.com. I'm out of here. See you next time. Um, that's it for for uh, this episode of Parking the Bus Podcast here on the PTB Media Network. It's late at night. I am I am beginning to hallucinate. I'm so tired. And I got to be at work in three hours. So uh, rock on. See you next time. Peace.